Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Welcome back, everybody, to Savage to Sage. Um, today, I am joined by my new co-host, Kyle Maloney, and I'm really excited to introduce him. He is a colleague of mine here at Full Stack, and um, I'm excited to have him as a new co-host, co-producer of Savage to Sage. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you very much, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I just love uh, what you guys are doing with this space, and um excited to be able to interview a lot of uh, really great people and have a good space for uh, a lot of great conversations that will hopefully benefit a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. We're excited to have you as well. And I think, you know, when I, I think about this topic, I, I see things and ask questions from a, my own perspective, from my own Savage to Sage journey that's ongoing. And I'm excited about having you as a co-host, just because I think you're going to see it from your own perspective and ask different questions. You know, although the show will go kind of a similar direction, you'll you'll be asking different questions based on your own journey. So I think we're going to get a lot richer, you know, content as a result of that. And so um, no pressure though. Yeah, um, we'll see about that. <laughs> um, so I'm curious if you could just share as an intro to yourself, like just give the high level details of like, and highlights of your Savage to Sage journey? Like, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, great question. So um, a lot of my early career uh, had to do with kind of entrepreneurship, startup types of things. And then I kind of found myself in these organizations that were supported by entrepreneurs, but kind of taking a back seat into kind of the work that they were doing. Um, and specifically just kind of saying, hey, I think I'm more of a business builder. And then that kind of refined into my passions, which is just kind of facilitating individual organizational transformation, which was just kind of walking alongside organizations in order to do uh, some kind of deeper work, um, which I think is a lot of what Savage to Sage uh, is trying to bring in with entrepreneurs. And so it's neat to be a part of that. And from my experience, in order for that to happen, a lot of that has to be within a like, kind of like a, a safe space. Mm-hmm. And so uh, from what I've seen here on this podcast, just the questions, hearing people's journeys, um, I believe that kind of brings that space to the forefront, which I really, really like. Talk a little bit more when you say like safe space, how would you define that as, as simply as possible? Yeah, I just think it gives you um, some margin to kind of be able to reflect on your experiences, realities to kind of say, oh, is this going well? Or what might need to be changed? Or how can I make some adjustments in my own life to kind of make things more efficient or better for my team, for me, um, how to operate those types of things? Yeah. And I, th- I think about the people on that Savage to Sage journey that have experienced that safe space and have created that for themselves and their teams. I mean, that means that they are always open to refinement, to growth, but it's, there are some environments where you make mistakes and you get, you know, your hand slapped for it or 
you're going through a tough time personally and just a lot of change and transition that's happening. And it, you know, you realize, oh, it isn't safe for me to, to be like that. I have to be like this in this environment. So like when I hear safe space, I think it's this, this like ripe ground for reflection, transformation, growth, you know, for the sake of hopefully, you know, if it's done right for personal transformation, as well as like organizational growth all in one and where people feel that safety to be themselves, um, but are always, it's not just for the sake of like ranting about like what they really feel, but it's people that are moving toward like growth themselves, you know? Yeah. So. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it kind of reflects on kind of my first uh, work experience outside of college. A lot of it had to do with a bunch of people that didn't do it right in their 20s and 30s. And then they just kind of said, we want to learn from that. And uh, those were my mentors when I was in my 20s. And those are the people that are probably the healthiest people that I've uh, interacted with because they facilitated that type of environment for me and for themselves. And so I just, I'm, I'm just kind of committed to that just because I know that it, the fruit that I've seen from it is just really, really good in people's lives mm-hmm. and in organizational lives as well. Yeah, that's good. And I think you were, you were here overhearing a, a show the other day that we recorded where I found that that mentor component that you just mentioned of like sages that have gone before us, like that you just talked about, that's a common theme across like all the people that we interview Mm. is like, what was key for you in your entrepreneurial journey? It was, you know, a mentor that, that spoke into my life in a critical time or Mm. that found me in this situation that was really tough and helped me out of it. You know, like I've heard so many stories of those mentors and why in your experience has, have those mentors been a key for you? I mean, I think it's just kind of like a situational life, situational stuff is that I felt out of my realm in order to deal with the, you know, the current realities that were going on with me uh, within situations that I was in. And so, you know, I had a friend that always said like, Hey, you should always be pouring into somebody below you, but you should also have somebody that's kind of guiding you along the way. And so that was kind of a, that was something that was instilled in me in college And so specifically in my 20s, what happened is I was like, hey, I need to kind of find some help with where I'm at right here as I'm starting things out. And just thankfully, I had a group of people that were willing to do that. And so it's been an honor to be able to be able to do that for other people that are newer on the journey, just to know that how impactful it was at at that time in my life. Yeah, that's so good. I think about those like mentors for me that have been so key. For my own journey. And then in, in some cases, it's been peers where it's like a peer mentoring environment where you have the empathy and sympathy of like both going through like the same thing at the same time. I think it just brings you back to another principle that has come out like often in the show. It's like, we're not meant to do this alone. Mm-hmm. And I think a big reason why failure is a relative term when it comes to entrepreneurship, because we know like the statistics on how many companies, startup, nonprofits fail. And that's, that can be a great catalyst for learning. But like, when I say like failure, it means like, you know, someone just hits the hits the bottom. Like a lot of the reason why they, people fail, I think is because along the way they thought like, I've got to do this alone. 
and mm. they didn't lean into, you know, the wisdom of a mentor of their team of their, like a peer support. I would say if like, there's any mission of like this show, you know, I haven't, it's not in like the official mission statement, but it's like, it's just a reminder to entrepreneurs, like you're not in this alone. Mm. And there are people that have gone before you that have experienced a similar, you know, challenges that you have currently that are, are willing to share in this with you. But then there's also, you know, a peer, peer community of others that are in it and know how hard it is, but mm. also how important the work is of entrepreneurs or like, I think both of us have the appreciation both for like business entrepreneurs, but then also like nonprofit or, or mission entrepreneurs that are, are, you know, going toward a particular cause or mission for the sake of humanity or the earth or whatever that is people that are forging new territory and starting new things. It's such important work, but yet it is, it's like a crucible, you know, it's, it's so hard at the same time. So like, what would you say in terms of like that crucible comp, like metaphor, like what was one of the most significant challenges that you've faced so far in your entrepreneurial journey and like, what'd you learn from it? I mean, I'll, I'll kind of hit, I'll be the one note Johnny on this. Um, but you know, and it's kind of, you know, I alluded to, uh, regarding kind of that, the, that the safe space, but I, I think it goes kind of to the self care. You know, we had a principle in our first, uh, organization that I was a part of is that the, the effectiveness of who you were as a, as a person and as somebody that was doing outreach to other people uh, was strongly connected to how well you actually stored yourself. Mm. Um, and so with that, that put meant that your actual overall well-being was incredibly important. And so I just think that that's just having good health that you're inputting into yourself um, is important. And so for me and my journey, um, I, I have been one to go out uh, swinging for the fences and I've loved that I've actually taken those risks um, in my life. Um, but I, you know, most recently, I'm just kind of coming back to kind of the foundational stuff of like, hey, how do I, you know, best uh, care for myself uh, in the midst of all of the things that I want to do or I want to accomplish? I mean, I think in the long run, uh, that's going to be, uh, that is kind of the differentiator and will help make up for a really successful you know, internal life and in relationships, et cetera. So. Yeah, that's so good. And that's, I mean, again, it's an, you're hitting on another principle of just like that practice of, of self-care, which, you know, in our culture has kind of become like, oh, I went and got my favorite latte at Starbucks. Yeah. Um, or in your case, your favorite tea latte at Starbucks. <laughs> and I, I like to think of it as soul care, which, you know, could take a lot of different definitions, but it's, you know, caring for or stewarding like those most essential parts of ourselves that make us human, you know, like, and I, I think of nutrition, exercise, like spiritual development, like sleep, you know, a couple of <laughs> examples there that are often things that, that really get neglected mm. in this space because the reality is, is like, there's always more work to do in entrepreneurial organizations than any human has time for, no matter how 
structured and you know how much you buy into the whole work smarter not harder yeah. philosophy it's like there's always going to be more than any one person or any team can handle yeah. and so we you know we we tend to just run ourselves into the ground mm. instead of realizing the best way to tackle that mountain of work that has to be accomplished in these organizations is to for it to flow out of our own practice of that like soul care that I just described. So you're already hitting on all these important <laughs> topics here. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I went to um, a conference last week and I was sitting with HR professionals and presidents of organizations and the common theme that they had uh, for what makes them most effective within their roles is, you know, kind of knowing who they are and investing in themselves so that they can actually, you know, facilitate change that they that they feel that they need to, you know, institute within their organizations. I mean, going to your point, like as far as like there's so many things that are being demanded of us, which I feel, I think everybody feels it's easy to slip into the kind of like, well, I should be able to do all of them, or you know, or I need to sacrifice myself in order to kind of get those things accomplished. But it's kind of like reverse engineering in a sense to kind of to really kind of be in a place of, you know, wholesomeness and, you know, what's actually, I mean, dare I say, kind of lead in a way out of just kind of that wholeness. And I think it actually might be more effective, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's a really good point. And I, I think there's this model of business owner and entrepreneur that, you know, existed in our in small businesses in our and small nonprofit organizations in our country that was like, you have to be the jack or drill of all trades Mm. and you have to know everything. You have to know like where every dollar goes and wherever dollar is coming in. You have to be the master of finance, accounting, HR, like operations, sales. Like you need to like be able to do it all. And, and I think there, there's some wisdom in like anybody that's, a leader that has a pulse on like every aspect of the business or the organization. But I think it, what that mindset bred was like, I'm owner as an owner or a executive director of a nonprofit. Like I'm always on. Yeah. And like I'm living and breathing the business or the mission. And like, I can never, never be off. I can never take my hand off the steering wheel, you know, to use a metaphor and think what that, that did was um, it just created cultures of workaholism and this inability to let go of, to really take vacations to, you know, to really be present with someone's family or loved ones, you know, friends and to have like a life outside of that. And I, I think that's, that's starting to shift in our culture, but especially in this like niche of these entrepreneurial organizations where, um, which I, I think is is a really good shift because it's promoting, you know, people that are are whole people, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, that they're working on themselves, they're working on their health, they're working on their most important relationships, and they're also working on their business or mm-hmm. their their mission and realizing that it's more, you know, it's going to be more powerful, they're going to be more successful in the long term if that's a team effort, you know, versus that this like individual heroic effort of like one or two people. And so, yeah. um, 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we, we have some other things that we wanted to jump to, but I, when, when you talk about that, Daniel, I think about specifically like trust, like what does trust look like for an entrepreneur? Like that, that could be a very difficult topic because of all of those elements that you've just described. And I've seen that personally, uh, just through, you know, for, through myself, organizations that I've been a part of, is that like, how do you trust if you're at the top? And that can be a very difficult thing to kind of navigate. And then on top of that, if you're a business owner, there's, there's, there's disappointments. There's the, you thought this was going to go a certain way and it didn't. And you are, you know, had lots of bets on that happening out, you know, with personnel or with, you know, other vendors and those types of things. So how does, how does an entrepreneur navigate those things has been something that I've just kind of over the past couple of years observed and watched. And this is the type of thing that is, that I'm excited about that, you know, this podcast is talking about. So, Hmm. but yeah, I just think that you've hit on a a lot of excellent points that I think are involved in this conversation for, for entrepreneurs and owners. So, Hmm. yeah, well, let's talk about my trip. Yes. So, uh, Daniel, you, you did some, we'll call it soul care. Oh yeah. (laughs) A lot of that. (laughs) Um, you went out West and, I think it was like Utah, New Mexico. Is that correct? Is that what you Utah meant? and Arizona? Arizona, yeah, very okay. close. Okay, yeah. you've done this trip before, but I, you know, from my understanding, this is kind of there was some kind of tenants behind this trip. Can you talk about like what was the motivation for you to go on this trip? <laughs> yeah, so um, the trip is a six day, around fifty five mile backpacking trip in the Priya wilderness, which is in the Priya Canyon, um, starts in Utah near Kanab, Utah and ends in Arizona near closest town is Page, Arizona. And so it's, it's literally in the Red Rock desert, really the tenets of why I go and why I subject myself to literally like physical pain. You're carrying like a 50 to 60 pound pack, um, depending on how many utilities you bring with you and how heavy your food is. It's, it's for like spiritual pilgrimage. It's for complete disconnection from technology. It's, I would say just that physical exertion and sweat. There's something historically like in all the world's religions about like the desert being just an important place for spiritual growth and Mm. kind of stripping down like all pretenses and all like distractions like people throughout history have gone to the desert, you know, for that purpose. But just in a practical sense, like in our our business, as you know, like this trip happened right before the fourth quarter. Mm. So at the end of September, the fourth quarter and our space at full stack is um, it's benefits season, benefits open enrollment, similar to an accountant's experience in, you know, February to April in tax season. The hours are more, the intensity is higher. And there's just, it's high volume. And so I've gone on a, not this trip, but I've gone on different trips that included the wilderness or physical exertion, like, you know, for the last few years, right before this season for our business, for the purpose of just resting, recharging my battery so I could be, you know, the best version of myself during a really intense time. I mean, so it seems like intentional soul care before a busy season, right? Yeah. Okay. Were you expecting any outcomes from your time there? Like, I mean, I know that you said recharge your batteries, kind of get you geared up. 
kind of what were your anticipated outcomes before going? And then kind of, we can talk a little bit about like what actually happened during mm-hmm. that trip. For me, the, the anticipated outcomes were, um, at full stack, we are, we're just so passionate and mission driven toward the, like the human experience and of, of owners of our clients, of leaders of our clients, of the employees themselves. Like, what is that, the nitty gritty, like people experience that our clients and their, their teams experience on a daily basis. And we want that to be an awesome employee experience for people so that they become like better community members, family members, you know, husbands, wives, partners, like parents. And part of me was just looking like for when you spend so much time, like thinking about other people in Mm. that way, it's just so important to take inventory and of like, what's my own journey? What's my own human experience right now as, you know, a partner at full stack, as a husband, as a father, and, you know, as a colleague, a friend, like, and just to really reflect on of like, what's, what's most important and essential in life. And to like, just to revive my, my spirit a little bit, because as you know, if you're working hard and your life, I mean, literally our lives are pretty similar right now. It's like you wake up, you get yourself ready, you get your kids ready, you take them to school, you go to work, you come home, you take care of them, you clean up after them and yourself and you, like you go to bed, hopefully you exercise and do something fun occasionally in there too. But like, like rinse Have and repeat. Yeah. Like <laughs> rinse and repeat. And, and so it's, I think just a break from like, I, I've known when I break up that normal routine, it just, it enlivens me to, you know, to re-engage in a, in a better way. And, you know, and just to really reflect on what's most important and, you know, realign my values and focus. Mm. Yeah. That's great. There, there's two questions I want to get to first. Um, we can talk about, you know, kind of what you had your intended outcomes. And then there's probably something that like that happened that was a little bit different than you anticipated, but there's also like an event, like talk about like the, <laughs> the event that happened, like that you were probably not anticipating no. when you went on this, went on this trip. One never anticipates this, um, what happened. And I'll, I'll give the cliff notes version and actually, I took some like video and audio fo- footage because even though my phone didn't work because um, there's no cell phone service where we were, I did have it to like take pictures and record videos and stuff. So I took some videos and pictures like around this that I intend to share as like a part of this episode release. And so it'll go into some more details. But essentially, we're in the desert walking in a canyon and there's a, a very slow moving river. Um, it's generous to call it a river most of the year because it's it's basically like a very slow moving creek. But what happens in the desert when it rains is that there's the water doesn't really like it does here in the Midwest where we are, it like sinks into the earth in the desert. It sort of rolls across the sand and it, you know, if there's elevation, it goes from high places to low places and builds up. And so this area is very prone to flash floods. And, and so we, you have to do your homework going into this and look, look at the weather, 
So for us, we also hire someone that's, um, that is a guide in this area that looks out at forecasts and just make sure, okay, you guys are good. What ended up happening was there was like a crazy, very strong storm that, that came through and it rained so much in the area, like within 50 miles of where we were, all of that ran down and it created a flash flood in the riverbed. And, um, there were four of us when we together, when we noticed it, and there were two others that were ahead that were already at camp because the four of us had done a, a little side hike. The other two didn't. And so the four of us that we looked back and saw it, we had to run up on high ground and hmm. basically for our lives, uh, because if we would have stayed in the riverbed, our lives, we probably, you know, it's, it's basically like liquid concrete moving at probably like 15 miles an hour and it's carrying debris, like some cases, like half, half of trees. And so like you would get knocked over and swept away essentially. And so we were able to thankfully escape on a high ground. And what we thought was going to like, we were going to wait it out for a couple hours or maybe overnight and then be able to cross again and reunite with our other companions on the trail. What happened was the river just kept going up and down. It was not crossable for 24 hours. We didn't have any contact with these other two. And so we had, you know, we didn't know if they were okay uh, because we had a, a satellite phone. They did not. And so we called in an SOS to the local authorities in Utah and Arizona. And um, a couple hours later, they they sent a helicopter that we thought was just going to fly over and and where our friends were camped out and make sure they were okay. And then come tell us, you know, they were okay. You can wait this out. But instead they recommended based on how high the river was and how intense it was, like instead of us trying to wait it out and hike, hike through it, they recommended to give us a ride out in the helicopter. And so, but there's, that's just like the overall story. But then I think there's, there's a lot that I've been, you know, reflecting on as a result of that experience. Like whenever there's a near death experience like that, I think it causes you to really think about, you know, what did I learn and what's most important? So, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that tease, I mean, so I, Daniel, I was privileged enough to, uh, Daniel sent me the, the video of kind of the aftermath of, of that event and kind of the scenery and even hearing it this time, I'm just, uh, I can't believe just it must've been, uh, uh, an intense is kind of a, the wrong word to use Yeah, day, day and a half. But in the midst of that, I think, you know, is when you were kind of actually having the most clarity mm-hmm. in kind of vision life or maybe just after that and i mean not to i don't want to sound to brush over the near-death experience but you know just to kind of get to what are some of the things that you learned through that time there and maybe that experience that would be worth kind of sharing in a sense yeah yeah and i will what i'd like to do is just share what actually happened, what I was reflecting on, and then how I've been thinking about it too, in terms of like takeaways for entrepreneurs. And uh, because it's, it was amazing, just the clarity of like, 
oh, this, like what we're experiencing in this small window of, I think it was, you know, 28 hours when we were stuck. It was a depiction of what life is like for a lot of startup founders. And there were like a lot of takeaways. And so, and you're right, like when you're, you expect a lot of clarity in this backpacking trip when you're walking along, but really you're focused on like putting one foot in front of the other uh, because it's intense. You're in the desert you're carrying a 50 to 60 pound pack. Uh, it hurts. Um, you're like catching up with friends that I hadn't seen in a while. And there was time like after the day's hike, you know, to reflect and talk around the, the campfire or journal in the morning. But like, this was a, this was a 28 hour period of just waiting. And there was not much to do outside of the, there were like three times where we're like, okay, let's, see if we can cross now because it looks like it's gone down and we couldn't but like outside of that which took about an hour you know there was 27 hours just to like sit and be um and first thing is like i found that there was this overwhelming like peace that that washed over me despite the circumstances despite the unknown and that was that was the gift that that I received, but then also as a gift that I was able to give to the other people in the group, there's, as you can imagine when you're stuck and, you know, in one case, one of the guys in my, and the four of us was David and his wife, Laura was on the trip with us and she was the other two. So we were separated from her and, um, another trail mate. And so David's like, I don't, I don't know if my wife is okay. You know, I'm mm. like, but like I was able to bring, you know, this overwhelming peace and, and just like take care of those little things that needed to, needed to get done. Hmm. And, but like, I can tell you about Aram, David, Greg, the other three that were with me, like they, each of us brought these like unique gifts to that moment. Hmm. And I could go through the list of like what each of them brought. Uh, But it was just a reminder of like, how important it is to lean into, you know, lean into your own weaknesses, but then lean into your own strengths and like notice and call forth the strengths of other people. Mm-hmm. In in times like that's um, that's key for success in life and business. Again, we're not meant to do it alone. Yeah, and the best teams function where like people's strengths and gifts are are brought to the forefront, and they're aware of their weaknesses and they know like these other folks will cover over my weaknesses with their strengths. And this is like, this is how this is going to work together. And I think the the myth of like entrepreneurship or nonprofit visionary leaders is like, it's, it's my way or the highway. It's me. It's about like what I can bring. And that, that pressure, like nobody, nobody is meant to be the hero in that way. Mm. And if they are like, it's typically a very unhealthy mm. organization. Um, no matter how well they market, that, how great that person is, the usually the underbelly of those companies and organizations is is not healthy. And mm. but it's our culture likes to promote like the hero, but instead it's it's about the collective, it's about the team. Mm. And the best leaders are the ones that instead of they're the hero by like raising up the strengths of other people and putting other people into the spotlight where they belong and Mm -hmm. serving them. And so that was, you know, one thing that 
really came to mind. The others I'll just go through really quickly. One is waiting, um, especially like we were waiting for a solution of we we're going to be able to cross this river, waiting to figure out if our friends were okay for 28 hours, waiting to know if like we're going to make our flights back, which were just a couple days away at that point. Cause this was near, like this was in the latter part of the trip. Oh, yeah. I think, um, the best entrepreneurs and leaders that I've met, like embrace the waiting and, and the unknown. Mm. And they realize like, it's, those are ripe times for learning. And those are like some of the richest times are in like the waiting. And if you think about when you hear most people's stories that are successful nonprofits, successful entrepreneurs, startups, like there was, a, it was a long period of like, when the idea first came to when like they actually got funded and money to do something to like finding fit in the market or for their mission in the world. Like it's, it's a long period of time and there's a lot of waiting along the way, waiting for someone to say yes or no, you know, in some cases can take three weeks. It can take six months, you know, for these major decisions and so we need to learn how to embrace like the waiting and the unknown. Mm-hmm. And then similar, it's like, is like trust and mm-hmm. trusting that in it's all going to be okay. Or in that abundance mindset, of, like there is enough and there mm-hmm. will always be enough. And then finally, I would say this is all connected. Um, it's just like embracing the suck. And in all of these organizations i mean this in the waiting and the trusting and leaning on team members i mean there's there's just a lot of suck there's a lot of pain to wade through and the best leaders and entrepreneurs that i've met are ones that don't bypass that but or numb it out Mm. or reframe it towards something positive they they embrace it as like this this suck or this pain like this is the greatest teacher for us this there's so much space for learning and development Mm. by embracing this and um unfortunately like our culture's message is like numb it out you know through alcohol fatty foods sugar tv series like you know you name it like there's something to you shouldn't have it yeah yeah it's just like numb, numb that out or it's like avoid it and go seek other novel experiences instead of like embracing that pain. But like the way, the way to wholeness, the way to success, I would say in the holistic term of success is like by embracing that and letting it be a teacher. And so like when we did that in those 27 hours, like it just meant made for like just this rich time of connection with each other, like making a good plan you know, reflecting on what we were learning, longing for to be reconnected with these two folks, longing to be reconnected with our families and just had some laughter and some tears, you know, that were really important and, you know, for that, to to make it through that time. So it's like, people ask me, like, why would you do that? Why would you knowingly put your life in danger through this wilderness experience uh, when you have you have a lot going on for you. Like I have a healthy family, a great wife. I love what I do at full stack. We have a great team partners. Like why would I do that? And I think it's because man, the wilderness 
and the wildness of it, like just bring out such rich learning experiences and, and they bring such refreshment to my soul. Like I can't not do it. And of course I'm not going to knowingly choose to put my life in danger. I'm not, you know, climbing mountains without ropes or anything like that. Like, um, that would be bad, but it's, it's more so like, I want to experience that the wildness, you know, the, of the wilderness, um, knowing, you know, what's, what good and what richness can come from it. So, yeah. And it made a, I mean, I, I mean, there's so many things I want to respond to first, uh, we could do, uh, a second part series on drilling down on everything that you learned in the wilderness and multiple of other things. Yeah. There's just so much that you've shared with them. So helpful. I wonder if, I wonder if in the show notes, we can put the video and yeah. we'll have to we look at that. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely share that. And I think um, there is, there is a lot that could be harvested from it, I think. And because it's, I mean, what I, that choice of what I did was like very, very savage, but it, yeah. it, and in a way it was like savage to gain more, Sage. more, more sageness, more wisdom. Um, so I think there's a lot probably that could be harvest, but harvested, but for sake of time today. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we should end there. So we should yeah. absolutely. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for sharing that experience. And, uh, I'm excited for this to be the start of, many more conversations to come yeah and you know for me it's just kind of uh kind of creating that that space uh that you know that hopeful space that you know i know that i would greatly benefit from and hopefully our our listeners can kind of greatly benefit from as well and um, other people that we interview um you know can kind of just um have this time to to learn to reflect and you know um, it's neat, you know, with your experience out West is like, because it was so intense, I, I, I kind of can imagine that there's so much more impact internally for you for that. So, um, mm-hmm. that's kind of really neat, but yeah, thanks for the time. Yeah. I mean, it's healing just to be able to like, and cathartic, I would say to like, be able to share it because I think it's like you, you have that and literally you're rescued by a helicopter and then you're like okay, we're back to our rental van and you're back to reality and just like, whoa, what just happened? And then the next day, you know, you're, you're flying back home and you have, you have this crazy story to tell, but then you just re-engage into life. And so I think that's like having the space to reflect is really helpful. So yeah, but, um, I tell all of our listeners, um, thankful for you coming on this short journey with me. I'm thankful to introduce Kyle as a co-host and, You'll be seeing him um, interviewing some great entrepreneurs and leaders in, in the coming weeks. And so excited for that. And um, if you have any feedback or any guests that we should be inviting to record on the show, please send that our way. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.